welcome to Yes Indeed Pod, a podcast about indie tabletop role-playing games where I interview creators about their games and inspirations and about the theory, process and practice of game design. My name is Mark Shepard, your host today and always, and your friendly local indie enthusiast. This month is International Podcast Month, and this year I've taken it upon myself to seek out people who do shows a little bit like Yes Indeed Pod, interviews, reviews and discussions around tabletop role-playing games. Today we're talking to Rich Rogers of Plus One Forward, a fantastic interview and showcase podcast focusing on all things powered by the apocalypse. A quick apology for the state of my audio in the second half of this episode. Honestly, I have no idea what happened. It's bearable, but a bit grim in places. Now that's out of my head and into yours, let's talk indie. So today we're talking to Rich from Plus One Forward Podcast. Hi there, Rich, and welcome to the podcast. Hey, Marx. It's great to be on. I'm I'm a fan, and it's exciting to be part of Yes Indeed Pod. Oh, so you're the fan. Excellent. Well, <laughs> <laughs> always good to meet people who already listen. That's fantastic. Would you like to take a minute to introduce yourself and let us know what you do in the indie tabletop role-playing game scene? You bet. You bet. I am primarily involved in the podcast sphere. I started way back in... March of 2007 with the first episode of a show called The Cannon Puncture Show. Oh, wow. Yeah. I actually had to go hunt back in Blogspot to find out exactly when the first episode came out. That pod faded after over a 100 episodes. But since then, I've been a host on This Just In from Gen Con, Voice of the Revolution, RPG Crosstalk, The Gauntlet Podcast, which I occasionally will sub in and do that, Comic Strip AP, which was another didn't last as long as it should have uh, AP show that the gauntlet put out and then plus one forward. I do podcast editing work. I'm a producer or primary editor for the gauntlet show as well as plus one forward, the fear of a black dragon show for the gauntlet, as well as sixth ring, the trophy podcast, which is nominated for an any. It is. I saw that the other day. Congratulations. Thanks. That's some <laughs> stiff competition. They have some excellent, excellent shows up there, but I'm happy to be part of a show that's getting some recognition. They do. Well, that's really good. And all of those podcasts that you've mentioned there are big names, I guess, in indie tabletop role-playing game podcast spheres. You know, you're behind an enormous number of them. I am. It's pretty great. I uh, enjoy podcast editing and I like getting behind the mic myself from time to time. Absolutely. Well, the show that I think most people are perhaps most familiar with your voice from is Plus One Forward. Do you want to give us a little bit of a potted history as to how you got involved with that one? You bet. So Plus One Forward is a show all about the Powered by the Apocalypse games or games using the Apocalypse engine. Back in the day, Plus One Forward didn't exist, right? The Gauntlet had a few podcasts. that had The Gauntlet, the primary podcast, and a podcast called Discern Realities, which was all about Dungeon World. And I like Dungeon World, but I also like a lot of PBTA stuff. So I work with Jason Cordova, who's the head honcho behind Gauntlet Publishing, and we worked out a show outline, and I went out and reached out to a bunch of designers in the PBTA space, starting off with Vincent McGay Baker, and then I launched it. The first episode came out in May of 2016. That was Apocalypse World, because if we're going to talk about PBTA, I wanted to start with the big one. You should start at the beginning, yeah. It's generally a bi-weekly release show. We have 125 episodes out, so we've been out for over five years now. We were nominated for an Innie and a Golden Geek Award, which was great. Didn't win either, but we were in some excellent competition. In 2017, I added a new co-host, Rach, which is fun, like Rich and Rach. <laughs> Rach really helped us to broaden the scope because 
Over my long podcasting career, I've never been super comfortable doing advice shows like Here's How You Game. Rach had a lot of energy along those lines, and she pulled me along, and so we really expanded the scope. And so it went from we're doing episodes where every single episode I would have a different game designer come on. They talk about their game. We would have a segment which was a little more broadly applicable to tabletop role-playing games play. And when Rage came on, we started doing more analysis of games. We started talking more about what are some experiences playing PBTA stuff? What are some things that you can do from an MC perspective, a player perspective? And then light amounts of game design and critique. Uh, Rach is real good at that, and I appreciate what she's brought to the table. I, I feel like it's made it a much more interesting and varied show. So I'm pretty proud of where we're at right now. Nice. Yeah, I think you should be. I mean, I think Plus One Forward is it's kind of neat that you are focused on one particular game system. I mean, is there a reason you opted for Power by the Apocalypse as a game system? I, I guess you really like I it. I do. <laughs> I run and play in probably on average 50 to 75 PBTA sessions every year. I'm always trying new games. I'm always trying to get experiences in different parts of the PBTA world. Particularly enjoy that it is a system built for genre emulation. Yeah. And that's what most appeals to me about it is that the games can be so widely varied with a generally similar core mechanic. So it's easy to just put the mechanic mind in the back seat and see how are the moves? How is the game trying to emulate this particular genre in different ways? Mm, yeah. If you play in a, a fate game, what changes is the flavor of the players at the table, right? Yeah. There can be some tweaks to the fate engine that I've seen for horror and for more thoughtful games, but at, at its core, the mechanics are still pretty similar, which is a great comfort for folks who really enjoy fate. But for me, PBTA can be everything from rolling with advantage to completely different economies within the system. So I feel like there's a lot of variety in PBTA and it's always being pushed, you know? Yeah. The last two years I've done summer series with Rach and last year we did Belonging Outside Belonging or No Dice, No Masters which is radically different from your normal PBTA thing because it's a GM-less game. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of shared narrative, shared authority, or GM full game, as some folks call it. And this year we're doing Forged in the Dark, which is the summer series. And that's a very mechanically intensive, lots of different uh, aspects. It's, pardon the term, a little fiddly. There's a lot to learn in a Forged in the Dark game. It is, yeah. It's been interesting because I've been playing as many Forged in the Dark games as I can during the summer series because at the end we always like to do a little reflection, what have we learned kind of thing. Sure. I've been running Scum and Villainy and Songs for the Dusk, and they're both very interesting but very different games. So it's, it's a lot to learn and relearn. Yeah, they are. I mean, that sounds really cool. It's great that there is kind of this genealogy. I mean, you basically hit it there. It goes from Fate, PBTA, Forged in the Dark, and Belonging Outside Belonging. And then there's other, you know, there's other stuff that sits on top of that now as well. There's a very, very clear family tree that all leads all the way back to that one game that you mentioned, there, which is Fate. And it's it's very interesting to kind of trace those things. It's kind of the thing that maybe feeling is most interesting about RPG design history. <laughs> but that's just me. I'm a big nerd. I think we all are. <laughs> I think people have kind of moved away from saying that Powered by the Apocalypse is a game system. 
I'm so sorry. I'm sorry that I said that it was before <laughs> and kind of leaning more into it being a style of play or even a kind of tradition in the way that you might refer to a, a sect of a religion as a tradition <laughs> <laughs> and kind of at a counterpoint to maybe the OSR movement, which is perhaps what you typically associate with the gauntlet. So to me, sometimes it seems like plus one forward is kind of an odd match for the gauntlet. I don't know if you kind of have an opinion on that. I am surprised that the perspective outside of the gauntlet is that PVTA isn't necessarily a good fit because I sit right in the gauntlet. The gauntlet is this online community of thousand or so strong folks that have a, a game calendar. We all post games up to run for each other. There's a little bit of an RSVP access, but then it's open to everybody. It's just an early window for folks who jump on the Patreon. And it's focused around indie, small press, and OSR games. So there is definitely a slate of OSR games within that 100 to 130 games per month that get posted up there. But there's also a huge amount of PBTA. A lot of love for Wander Home right now. Mm. But okay, you know, if I think about who's posting, maybe I'm doing most of the PBTA, but... (laughs) (laughs) I think when you think about the Gauntlet zine itself and like the scenes... Mm the spin-off from the gauntlet as well yeah the whole trophy contingent is a huge huge part but there's also brindlewood bay which is a pbda game that's a big part mm-hmm. yeah it's interesting how the codex from gauntlet has changed over time it started off and it was a lot of supplements for indie games and then there was a bit of pbta stuff around dungeon world and with discern realities being a primary driver yeah now jason's designs are having a lot of the focus so the the between brindlewood bay yeah i see what you're saying <laughs> it's not to it's not to say anything bad about osr or oh, about pbta i mean i love no. all of them yeah i think osr and pbta are like very exciting scenes to be involved with mm-hmm. um, osr is kind of not really my cup of tea a lot of the time i find but um that's probably pasting away a broad church there and i think pbta is kind of more my sort of thing because it seems so story intensive and so like you know narrative and genre driven and that's just something that i'm i'm very excited by one of the things i like about the format of your show in particular i mean i don't know if you still do this but certainly the early shows um you have this like mini actual play segment at the beginning which which is kind of evolved into i guess this this character plussy is kind of plussy's extended universe now (laughs) um I, i just think it's a lot of fun to like not only hear the creator's and um, people who are like uh, involved in the game design talk about their games, but then to hear them play them as well, I think that's really exciting. It sort of feels very unique. It's a lot of fun to kind of just like show off the system. The demo is a core part of what I was excited about when I was creating the show outline. It harkens back to the days of The Forge and early, early days for Indie Press Revolution in that at conventions, games designers would sit down. There was this 15-minute demo, right? So your table, the booth that they would have set up, they always had six, seven tables and the game designers who were there hawking their wares. Yeah. They would learn everybody else's games and have a demo bit ready to go. And so it's like, oh, I'm interested in this game. And then Fred Hicks would jump in and go, here, let me run you through it. And they would do a 15-minute demo and you got a taste of it. 
Yeah, yeah. Because a lot of times I find folks will, like, talk in these lofty ideals for their game. <laughs> Guilty. And, like, their design goals. And those are great. That's what fuels the engine. It's very important. But, like, how does it play? What mm. are we doing? What does it feel like when I roll those dice? That's huge for me. And if you notice, the segments are designed around, well, the ones that are game-focused are, what's this game about? How is it different from Apocalypse World? Yeah. What are the cool mechanics? What what one mechanic change that you made are you most excited about? It's not like what genre most influences you or what was it like growing up? Like there are podcasts that do that really, really well. That just isn't the focus that I wanted for Plus One Forward. So it's very product specific. Like what is this game about? Okay, now how does it play? And that's really fun. I've found that seeing a game designer actually run their game is educational in that there are things that don't make it into the book. There are aspects within each individual RPG that morph and change at the table. And seeing it directly from the font of the person who created the game is really fun for me. So, I mean, I I love the demo segment. and I love the interview segments as well. I just think it's a great show. I don't know how you pick your guests, but it seems to kind of be extremely varied. And I guess that demonstrates the kind of power of Apocalypse World as an engine for play Mm -hmm. are you never worried that you're going to run out of uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, pbta games to to try out that's a fair it's a fair concern there are times when i'm like (laughs) at what point will apocalypse engine no longer be the game du jour that folks aren't developing for i see i try to keep myself aware of the indie space as much as any one human being can (laughs) You know, the itch world has a lot of No Dice, No Masters love. Mm. And there's quite a few Force in the Dark pieces that are out there as well. Yeah. But it's funny, a lot of my guests have come from drive throughs Christmas in July sale when I go through and like filter on Apocalypse Engine and games that are on sale and core rule books. And I just go through and I'm like, wow, what is this game? <laughs> I'm going to buy it. Yeah. And then I end up reading it or playing it. And I'm like, I got to talk to this person this game is cool so i go back and there are games that have maybe been out for two three years yeah and i kind of sneak them onto the show and there are always <laughs> kickstarters that are happening that if i see it i'll like try to find a way to contact that person through facebook or something like that and like hey you've got a kickstarter right now if we record right now i can slip you in there is there a point where we'll run out maybe if it's no longer fun we move on to something else it's okay that's what a lot of podcasters seem to say to me. Well, you know, when I have an hour and a half of audio to edit for one episode, I sometimes feel like that's not super fun anymore. <laughs> it's even less fun when you're not one of the hosts. <laughs> uh, yeah, I never see your day jobs, though. <laughs> oh, it was basically going to be a snarky comment about Magpie Games and Avatar The Last Airbender. Well, it wasn't going to be that snarky, but are you going to have someone on from Magpie Games, basically? <laughs> already did it. Oh, you already did it. Okay, cool, cool. Oh, yeah. First week that it came out. Fantastic. Mark Diaz Truman and I have, well, back pre-pandemic, we always met at Origins to have coffee once at each con. So I stay in contact with with Mark Diaz Truman. I'm so proud of the work that they're doing at Magpie, giving new voices experience and and visibility in a wonderful, wonderful set of games. Oh, 
Their catalog's so cool. This Avatar game is kind of amazing because I don't, I cannot think of another Kickstarter for a tabletop role playing game which was be has been as successful. Actually, I don't think there is one. No, the number two it has tripled that in some. It's crazy. I love it. I thought Blades in the Dark was like super powerful, and that was what two hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah, it was. It's funny how the bar keeps getting raised. <laughs> This is a Powered by the Apocalypse game, so this is kind of a seminal moment, Mm -hmm. just in the history of Powered by the Apocalypse, I guess. I I mean, that's got to feel quite good. As you said, you you know Mark Jan Truman quite well. This is something else. (laughs) His whole team are are really cool folks, and I'm so excited for their success. I cannot wait. I've already gotten the quick start. It's a really exciting game. I I think it's the perfect moment. There's a lot of pent-up Avatar and Korra demand out there that... I think he sensed, but who could have expected this? I am blown away. Uh, <laughs> yeah. There's a reasonable amount of, I don't know if it's skepticism, but there's a reasonable amount of people saying that well, this might not be the amazing moment for indie tabletop role-playing games that people are perhaps touting it to be. But for Powered by the Apocalypse games, this is, yeah, <laughs> it's something else. It's fascinating. You can go and join their Magpie Discord, and there are several channels for the Avatar Legends RPG Kickstarter, and there are folks who've jumped on and said like, okay, so is this going to be a Switch game? or a PlayStation game, or or is it a PC game? Because they're hearing Avatar, they're jumping in, and they're finding out, oh, this is like a table. What's a tabletop RPG? Oh, it's like D&D. Yeah. And I hope those folks come in. Like, come on in. Give this a shot. It's going to be cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, like, if it is somebody's first tabletop role-playing game and they haven't, you know, played Dungeons & Dragons before, they haven't played a D20 system game, Mm -hmm. and coming in and it being this very story-focused, this very narrative-focused and, like, (laughs) non-violence-focused tabletop role-playing game, I think that's an amazing switch. Mm -hmm. And it it has the potential to be so, so cool for tabletop role-playing games. I'm, I'm excited about it, mutedly. I'm glad. Me too. So my understanding is as well that you have, over the years, tried out a lot of different games on Gauntlet. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I think you say quite often is that when you try out a new system, you like to try it out with Star Wars. <laughs> oh, you got me tagged. Do you, uh-huh. want to, do you want to tell people a little bit about, about why you do that and like why you think that's a good <laughs> introduction to things? You bet. So there is this thing I do for the gauntlet called star wars saturdays i started it over three years ago and every saturday at least once sometimes twice like this month i will run a game set in the star wars universe but not using any of the officially licensed star wars rpgs which would be westing games d6 system from way back in the day 80s 90s or the saga system that wizards owned for a while or fantasy flight all good games uh this is not a slight on any of them at all but it's a great way to create an ongoing narrative right in yeah. a place in a setting that folks it's very easy for people to go oh yeah i've seen star wars and the only requirement quote unquote is have you seen the original trilogy cool that's it that's you must be that tall to enter if you haven't even watched (laughs) the original trilogy why are you here you're gonna be confused (laughs) but i have to this point run or played because uh there are a few like gmless things so you know run or played over 50 different rpg systems that i have uh reskinned or hacked 
to be set in Star Wars. That, that is an impressive number. Thank you. Especially considering none of them are the official systems. <laughs> Which was the best? <laughs> oh, goodness. That is... Oh, my children. Um, I have really, really enjoyed the... Martius Truman has a game called Cartel. It's a, Mex- a Mexican oh, narco fiction game. That's an exciting choice. <laughs> yeah. Hut Cartel, right? Hut Cartel. That's Perfect very mix. cool. And then there's a reskin that I enjoy running quite a lot, a reskin of Monster of the Week, which is kind of Mandalorian inspired. It is Bounty of the Week. Okay. Okay, that sounds really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Hacking and reskinning. Personally, I think that puts you in the realm of being a game designer, especially if you've done 50 to date, you know, that's <laughs> super, super impressive. Thank you. You know, a kudos to you for sticking with that. Now, I do happen to know that you are a game designer, having had run a Kickstarter. Do you want to just give us a brief rundown of what that is as well? You bet. And if it's not a Powered by the Apocalypse game, we are obviously going <laughs> to have issues here. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. Hit the Streets, Defend the Block. It's a street-level supers RPG, and it actually harkens back to the work that I did with Star Wars Saturdays. There's a, a game called One Percenter. It's the outlaw motorcycle gang. So it's kind of like the TV show from America uh, from a few years back called Sons of Anarchy. It's like that, the RPG. Is that one of the like micro games that you can get from somebody on TTRPG? It sounds really familiar. One Percenter is, is up on DriveThruRPG. Uh, it's very inexpensive really fun game oh cool i have that one. <laughs> great <laughs> it's great yeah i hacked it for swoop gangs right swoop bikers the whole speeder bike cover bike type deal from star oh, wars yeah and i had so much fun with it i'm like this core engine is really interesting and i was at the time doing another project called gauntlet comics which was mm-hmm. all supers related rpgs and there yeah. were multiple gms and the shared world and fun stuff like that and i'm like i'm gonna hack one percenter for a street level supers game and i had so much fun hacking it and kind of remixing and changing up some of the mechanics that i decided i'm gonna make this a like thing and i reached out to creepy doll studios who are the folks who who created it and they they were very generous with their time and feedback and that was super cool amazing and then i kickstarted it and uh that was enough money for me to be able to fund some a buddy of mine doing the art and he's an incredible artist and then it got a innies judge spotlight award which was really cool congratulations that's amazing yeah, so I'm I'm very proud of the game. I hit the streets to defend the block is I always make sure it's very inexpensive. It's a it's a cheap little game you can pick up and hopefully get right to the table. I have safety tools built in to the core mechanics, as much GM advice as I can throw in there. Cracking based off of my experience running this game and games like it. And yeah, it's a it's a fun little game. I, I love playing it. Yeah, I mean, I'm hearing that for a lot of people. Um there's people on Tavern Keeper who've played that and, you know, have told me that it's really fun. Our mutual friend Harrigan is a big fan, actually, <laughs> and told me so. Harrigan is an awesome person and um, very excited he likes it. Occasionally listens to the show, so, you know. Hi, Harrigan! He's going to be either, like, mortified that we've mentioned him by name or... <laughs> 
were extremely chuffed. But anyway, like I, there's, there's a lot of this stuff that I wouldn't be doing had it not been for Tavern Keeper. So you know, I do try and remember that time. <laughs> play by post is awesome. It's such a fun way to play. It is. And it's and always on, right? With yeah. Tavern Keeper and the like, it's no longer play by email. It's a thing where I'm standing in in line or in the queue. That's for you, Marks. In the queue at the grocery store. <laughs> And I'll pull up my phone and like bang out a post while I'm waiting for something. It's great. Yeah, absolutely. And like, yes, I've been there. I've done that. And um, it, it was it was the most accessible way for me to play for a long time. And I, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's just um, it's a really different experience. And it's a really it feels really immersive when you're in it. But then also you get the you don't have the kind of the same feeling of bleed if you like that you do mm-hmm. from some some role playing game. So you can hit it more personally and more emotionally, and it, it can feel really fun and intensive. And actually, like I've played. A variety of games i've played a lot of fate a few power by the apocalypse games as well and you know some games work really well for that format and mm-hmm. it's something i think people should uh <laughs> should take away with them you know so you are currently the voice behind several podcasts and the brains behind several of the other ones or maybe, if not brains then at least fingers and mouse clicks and things like that <laughs> exactly it's, it's amazing to hear some of your stuff so i would i do encourage people to go and check out at the very least, plus one forward because it's great fun, but also Fear of Black Dragon is amazing. And mm-hmm. you mentioned so many other amazing podcasts there. So what I would suggest is go back to the beginning of the episode, <laughs> listen to the stuff that Richard said that he was involved with, and then go out and subscribe to all those shows and just, just become a rich fanboy because that would obviously be super fun for everybody. <laughs> and then check out Star Wars Saturdays because you know, that sounds like an amazing an amazing way to spend a Saturday. There are new folks coming in and signing up. I, I run a different RPG system each month. So if there's one that catches your fancy, reach out to me. Absolutely. I'll be happy to try to work you into the game. Rich, would you like to take a minute to tell us where we can find you on the internet? You bet. Primarily, if you don't want to go to the Gauntlet forum, all of the Gauntlet stuff can be found at gauntlet-rpg.com. That's the best place to find my work. But if you wanted to see me occasionally respond to other people and respond to you, is Twitter at uh, O-R-K-L-O-R-D uh, Orklord. I am just that level of a nerd that that's my Twitter handle and my handle uh, on a lot of places. That's probably the best place. You got it first, so you know, you are the, the first Orc Lord. It's Orc with a K as well, so I'm presuming you're a Warhammer 40k fan. I am. I think these orcs look <laughs> awesome. The orcs are definitely the best. And I think that's probably all I have to say. So uh, other than that, thank you very much for coming on Yes Indeed Pod. And long may Plus Forward continue. Well, thank you for having me on, Marks. It's been a pleasure. And uh, long may Yes Indeed Pod continue as well. Uh, okay. Bit of mutual back scratching. Exactly. <laughs> Thanks for listening, and thanks again to Rich for the interview. As always, you can find all of the links in the episode description. Next time, I'll be talking to Sender Linau and Phil Vecchione from Panda Stalking Games, a long-running, smart and funny GM and player advice column. Sender and Phil also work together on loads of other projects, so this interview was a delight. Check it out towards the end of the month. This week, an advert from former guest Logan Timmins. Logan, an autobiographical tabletop game, is a brand new game by queer Aussie indie game designer Logan Timmins. In it, you play through events Logan has lived through and come out with a version of his life in your hands. Logan is deeply personal and vulnerable. Logan is a reflection on life, its highs and lows, its ebbs and flows. Logan is an invitation to look at your own life and reflect on all you have been through. Logan is a reminder to commend yourself for still being here. 
Logan is a work of queer joy, transpired, resilience, growth and love. Logan is a love letter that the author invites you to write to yourself. If that sounds interesting to you, Logan is itch funding right now. You can find this autobio game at breathingstories.itch.io slash Logan, where funds are being raised to hire layout designer Jam, plus unlockable stretch goals. Logan is very proud of this game, and it's dear to his heart. He would love your support in whatever way you can show it. This week, I'd like to thank our Patreon backer, Georgie Batts, former guest, firm friend, and designer of fun experiences for adults who like to play make-believe, or words to that effect. Thank you, Georgie. And you, yes, you can get a shout out like that too if you go to patreon.com slash yesindeedpod and sign up today. You'll get access to our Discord server where we can hang out and chat and even join monthly editing streams and the Yes Indeed Pod book club. Most of the money will go directly to creators rather than to me, so you'll be investing directly in the indie scene, which will make it a healthy and inclusive place for years to come. And if you can't commit regularly, you can always help out by rating and reviewing the show wherever you find your podcasts, or by donating through the Ko-Fi page at ko-fi.com slash yesindeedpod. Of course, you can always reach out to me through Twitter at yesindeedpod. That's Y-E-S-I-N-D-I-E-D-P-O-D. I'd love dearly to hear from you. Lastly, music credits. The intro and outro music are from The Show Must Be Go, and the interstitials are from BitQuest, both by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com and filmmusic.io. Thank you, Kevin. Until next time, remember, does Indy need you? Yes, indeed. Indeed.